So I just want to welcome back everybody. First of all, um, it's been a week uh, to start things off. We have 67 listens and we don't know who's listening. So if you're listening to this, um, hi. Thank you so much. We yeah. appreciate your support. Yeah, we. But also at the same time, support. we don't know exactly what 67 means. We just know that it's number 67. I don't like. I mean, it could be just like one psychotic person listening on repeat. Yeah, no, you know what? It could be Jane's cats listening to it on repeat. Like, just <laughs> it to absolutely sleep. could. Like, yeah, no, it could. Like, you know, where, where, where the fuck is Jane today? Like, she's not coming home. Where is my human? Yeah. Well. This podcast sounds like my human. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um. But we really do appreciate whoever's listening. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. We're very. It's, it's unexpected that we have sixty-seven listens wherever they may be coming from. Yeah. From no. four episodes. Yeah. If you're in um from anywhere between South Africa to South America, um, hi. <laughs> Pleasure making your acquaintance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually do want to get started. Um, mm-hmm. Jane wanted to. Originally, we were we were supposed to talk about coffee. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind that was how we ended the previous podcast. Right. So now that we've completely made this disjointed. Jane texted me yesterday, I think, uh, or on Friday, mm-hmm. saying, "Dude, I want to talk about race." I said, "I know, like, this shit is on the news, and I would say no normally because you know, coffee. We ended. We promised people coffee." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is a very important issue, and I agree. And I, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we did say, mm-hmm. uh, we said in the previous, like the one before the last one. The no, 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 even before that, in, mm-hmm. in our, <clears throat> in our alpha podcast. Oh right, right. Yeah, about race issues, and I did want to talk about that. That's and, why I said yes. Right, 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 and representation within media <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah. So, um, Jane, can you like explain <laughs> to me why you just went on a messaging storm with me <laughs> like i was with so here's the context i was at, with at my like girlfriend 10 p.m at night yeah. i'm sorry yeah I know. yeah so i was with my girlfriend i i we went to watch a play uh-huh. that her friend was in uh-huh. and then we were at dinner and then all of oh a sudden god i'm sorry my phone would not stop buzzing i thought it was broken i looked it was like oh no it's jane so i put her on because i'm like i'm not gonna deal with this right now <laughs> which is the appropriate response yeah it course. is yeah and then she was like obviously having some sort of panic attack and i said if you're gonna do this why even suggest a subject so yeah please elaborate okay so what happened is that i again apologies to you michael i actually should have gone to another friend first but what i was really concerned about is that how are we going to broach this subject with giving it the dignity that it deserves with um with a proper call to action without just saying like stating the facts and taking a neutral stance because this is not an issue that i think a neutral stance is is neutral is actually neutral no so um i was concerned about the flow of the flow of how this podcast is going to go because generally we have like very like bouncing around and it can get serious but it's generally pretty funny and shit posty mm-hmm. and i didn't want to like i don't want to make this a heavy podcast today necessarily but it is a heavy topic and i think it deserves a lot more attention than um the podcast that we have previously yeah and the context for my freak out is as i was explaining to michael before we hit record is that i have always been intrigued fascinated and you know um i would say like uh just What's another word for fascinated, but a little bit more studious? Enthralled. Enthralled? No, not really. I, I don't. I don't consider them fun, but um, entranced. As, a, entranced, maybe. Like, as an Asian American, I'm not even American, but I grew up 
as an Asian American. Oh, you're an Asian American. Yes, kind of, kind of. Um, as an Asian American with Asian American experiences, I've never had any Asian American literature growing up that gave me some sort of reference points of reference point of how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling this way. So I ended up reading a lot of Black American authors, starting from Toni Morrison, Zora Neale Hurston, James Baldwin, um, Maya Angelou, and then you know, Ta-Nehisi Coates. And then the book that I really enjoy and I took out yesterday to read again is by a professor at Columbia named Jeff Chang. He's an Asian, he's a Chinese American who is also very much, you know, knowledgeable in um, Black America, like Black American history. And the title of the book is We Gonna Be All Right. It goes through, it was written around 2014 with like, um, just at the, like right after the issues with like Eric Garner and um, Trayvon Martin and explaining just like the resegregation of America. And then at the very end, it tries to fit in what an Asian American person, what their role is as an Asian American is in this narrative of black American oppression. And I just found that fascinating. And there are no right answers. Obviously, there's no, there's never going to be a right answer for anything like this. But he gives so much good context and a lot of good um, ending thoughts. So I was reading, I was rereading a lot of the books that I read before, and then I was reading a lot of information on the recent events with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and and the like four or five other Black Americans who were attacked and killed this week alone. And I just started panicking. I was, I, was, I started becoming hysteric because there was just so much that I was feeling, so much I wanted to say. And also, as an Asian American, there's always like this sort of like Asian American guilt of like, am I being too much? Like, should I even be talking about this? So then it was like a perfect storm of emotions and I bombarded your phone when you're with your girlfriend. And I apologize for that. No, it's I, completely I, fine. I didn't think, that, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think that went through. But, but, um... I did calm down after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, clearly, otherwise we wouldn't be doing this podcast. Yeah. But, um, uh, to get back on topic, uh-huh. uh, again, we're we are not experts in the field of, especially like, um, was it African segregation and discrimination against African Americans? Mm-hmm. We're nowhere near. Mm-hmm. Heck, you know what? We're not even qualified to even talk about this topic in like trans uh, i guess we're qualified to talk about it in transient nature we're not talking about uh, we're not qualified enough to go delve deep into the topic Absolutely so we not. definitely need guest speakers and i you know what and we need outside information yeah yeah which is why i said it, it's going to be like our pre- previous episode when we were talking about that Itaewon person mm-hmm. we're we're not experts and we're we just want to use this to talk about other issues that are pertinent to this central issue mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so with this issue, I actually did want to talk about representation because, like, a key, a big, big part of this is that, the um, so I saw the video of mm-hmm. the guy getting choked, mm-hmm. like him getting he him being pulled out. He was already in handcuffs, and then he mm-hmm. like slid down the wall, and then they like put a knee on his neck and, and then pressed it down hard. Yeah, which okay, slight tangent, not really tangent, still on topic, but. Um, autopsy results keep on saying, oh, like, there's no evidence of strangulation. There's other underlying health issues that probably were exacerbated by being choked. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, you're lying to us. I mean, regardless of whether or not that's true, I think the issue is, look, 
you shouldn't have put your knee on a person's neck to begin with. Exactly. That's the issue. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't care. So I've heard reports, I've heard theories about this man having a heart attack in the mm-hmm. moment, cardiac arrest, um, perhaps even like hyperventilation, etc., etc. But that's not important. The important thing is the police at that moment decided to put their knee in a brutal force. Yeah. On a man who's already been cuffed. Mm-hmm. Why was that necessary? I don't quite understand. Absolutely but, not. Um, but I think, so, the thing is, um, and I've talked, I actually called my parents uh, yesterday and they brought up a very good point. Um, my father said, you know what? It's the, the primary issue is the leaders of the country just simply don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they're setting bad examples for people. Mm-hmm. And the issue is, look, if, if somebody else was in power, somebody who was more in tune with, with racial issues, somebody who was more you know, able to shed light, educated light on mm-hmm. this issue, people would have a very different response to this. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be such a controversial topic. We would all be saying, dude, the police was in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And heck, we would have different programs to educate police officers on racial issues and, mm-hmm. and specific uh, socioeconomic issues derived from race so mm-hmm. that they're more able to, to, they're more able to um, I guess, respond to these sorts of situations in a civil manner. Mm-hmm. And yet, we have certain people in power who benefit from having a divided nation Mm -hmm. and as a result we're using this as political leverage to get what we want Mm -hmm. and that's that's just terrible that's Mm -hmm. disgusting Mm -hmm. and like i appreciate the very level-headed phrasing that you're using right now but i'm gonna have to be that person where it's in this case i don't want to make it a generalized issue this is about a black man victimized like killed by a white man in america i'm gonna go there like you don't have to agree with me people listening don't have to agree with me you might be thinking that i'm taking this too far but i don't me personally i don't want to take away attention from the fact that it was a black man that black men in america are disproportionately targeted by the police and by other and just institutions in general so I don't want to make it all like people in power benefit from a divided nation. Yes, there's absolutely that. That's an absolutely fair point. And from a top bottom perspective, that's absolutely right. But from a bottom up perspective, this is a systemic issue that mm-hmm. has been going on ever, like before America was even officially a nation. Right. So, so I actually do want to segue into this because I, I also don't want to, if we just gloss over this topic, mm-hmm. we're not doing anybody any justice. Mm-hmm. And I do want to talk about this in specific uh, specifically african-american rights mm-hmm. um and i want to talk about asian american the asian american role in all of this absolutely because one of the issues that automatically when you brought this up mm-hmm. one of the issues that came up to my head was affirmative action mm-hmm. yeah and how asian americans are suing the u.s government mm-hmm. to abolish affirmative action mm-hmm. and I, I, I saw multiple sides of the story to this, mm-hmm. and to me, it's I understand how Asian Americans feel like it might be discriminatory against them, mm-hmm. and yet, like, factually speaking, mm-hmm. uh, there has been a tendency to 
if if we didn't before affirmative action, we had a tendency to underrepresent minorities, specifically mm -hmm. black uh, and African American um, um, Americans on campus. Mm -hmm. That's the issue affirmative action was trying to solve, and yet Asian Americans were acting against that mm -hmm. for their own benefit. Mm -hmm. So I, I, what is the Asian American? role in this race dynamic? So I think that's a really good point that you bring up. And this is something that I put on my Instagram story yesterday. This is something that I studied back in BC. I don't know if I should say this cool. Back in college. <laughs> back in a certain college. I'm not going to bleep. We're not going to bleep Coast. that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this is completely unedited. So. Yeah, completely. Um, back in college, I studied this a lot, and it's something that I've been very passionate about. But it is the myth of the model minority. And it's, the, it's this myth perpetuated by white Americans and Asian Americans that Asian Americans have made it as a minority in America because of our own inherent goodwill, because of our inherent hardworkingness um, and like our inherent diligence. And... If only other minorities would just do the same thing that Asian Americans were doing, then everyone could be just as good as them. That is the, that is the myth that's perpetuated by this this model minority standard, and that's exactly what you just brought up is exactly one of the most toxic aspects and one of the most, I guess, overtly political aspects of the the myth of the model minority, in which, you know, Asian Americans are forgetting that we're still minorities. Like, yeah, they no, think absolutely. That, like, we are like, let me like, I hate. I know there's a lot of people who hate putting terms in such like blatantly categorized terminology, but sometimes that's all you can do. We're not white. No, we're not. I just want everybody to know. And what really pisses me off, really grinds my gears, is that I have met many, many specifically Korean Americans, mm -hmm. well-educated, usually affluent Korean Americans, who align themselves with white people a lot. And I've had people who go to Philip Andover, Philip Exeter, and brag that they are like the president of the Republican Club at their school. I know, like Michael's face right now is so disgusted, which I appreciate. But um, I've had people like working on Wall Street who post like blatantly Republican posts. And like, look, if you want to be Republican, that's fine. But you should have some sort of logical reasoning, like some level-headed logical reasoning behind it. Because I'm sure that there's many people who are Republican mm -hmm. and for good reason. But there are the people who there are people who are just blatantly using it as like white signaling, right? To fit in with the mainstream, which is not something I can get behind. No, so mm -hmm. that's a very good point, especially mm -hmm. because so me being in Korea has made me realize I'm not fully Korean. But every time I was in Korea, I'm in Canada and the United States. I've never felt fully assimilated into that culture mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. um, and I'm pretty sure a lot of these people who who like what you described try mm -hmm. to align themselves with the uh, with mainstream white culture mm -hmm. are trying really hard to fit in mm -hmm. despite the fact that they feel like they're being left out mm -hmm. and um a lot of the people that you've been describing it feels to me like they're the token minority the token yeah, asian yeah. person they're they're in the asian version of what is it called in what? the movie get out oh you know what Oh, I, I, wow, I'm blanking out. Yeah, I'm blanking out myself. Oh, this is like such a, a term. Okay, you know what? We we all have to move on because... Yeah, no, I don't want to... We only do this in one take. Yeah. But we are... like Those kind of Asian people are completely delusional. No, exactly. And, and I want to bring this... Um, I want to actually like expand upon that point mm -hmm. because um, Asian Americans 
heck, Asians in general often go to Silicon Valley to seek VC funding, and they feel like it's really easy, and they feel like because, especially thanks to China mm-hmm. and its massive economic rise. Mm-hmm. They are now on par with white people, mm-hmm. but if you take a look at the VC figures, it's not actually true. Minority founders get funded a lot at lower proportions than white their white counterparts. Mm-hmm. That includes Asian Americans, um, mm-hmm. specific to the U.S. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you look at if you, it, it wouldn't make sense if white mm-hmm. people get more funding in China than Chinese people. <laughs> that would be very strange. Uh-huh. But um, and then the fact that we have. Minority-focused funds mm-hmm. in America, mm-hmm. like women venture funds, mm-hmm. but but also like African American funds, Hispanic funds, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The fact that we have to delegate funds specific to these mm-hmm. individuals. That's problematic. Mm-hmm. That's already a sign that it that we're not on equal footing. No. So why is just a fund assumed to be for white people, and then there's specific Hispanic funds, like Latinx funds? Um, African Americans, Asian funds, Korean funds. The fact that those exist—that's not creating a problem. That's just a symptom of a deeper problem. Yeah, no, it is. It's mm-hmm. it's it's trying. It's a band-aid solution. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that also frustrates me is that so um, one of my best friends from high school, mm-hmm. he is a hardcore Republican, exactly like the person you described. And mm-hmm. I love this kid to death. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I ran away from home one time, I slept over at his place for a while mm-hmm. and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he That's is, a whole other story, by the way. Yeah, but, and mm-hmm. he's a licensed card-carrying member of the NRA and everything. And Jesus. Yeah, but he, every time it comes to race issues and whatnot, he and I would just go into immense debate because I don't agree with him. He, he's, he feels white. His white friends accept him as quote-unquote white. But at the same time, uh, like it's very clear that they don't treat him as their equal. Mm-hmm. He's just a token member. He's just taking it, and they're using him as propaganda, as marketing, to show that they're multicultural. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit troubling when you see white people taking advantage of minorities to get their views across mm-hmm. and disguise it in the guise of multiculturalism because mm-hmm. it's clearly not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, I just remember the term, it's a sunken place. Uh. <laughs> but um, this is, okay, so I guess I can't think of a very smooth transition to my next point, but I do want to get uh, into the next yeah, point. Yeah, no, let's where, just move on. Yeah, within, within <clears throat> the model minority myth, uh-huh. it creates a blanket term and a blanket ideology. You know, like the whole American dream is like, the, the mythology of the American dream is like, anyone can make it if you just work hard, right? Mm. And then within that, there are like mini narratives, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, well, you know, the model Asian minority myth, like if, you, like, if you're Asian and you just, you stick by Asian values and you align yourself with white mainstream values, then you can make it in America. The thing is, Asian, the word Asian, first of all, spans so many different countries, so many different ethnicities, right? Mm-hmm. That basically when in America, like, if anything, I consider myself lucky to be considered one of the big three Asians, which is Chinese, Korean, Japanese, a- a.k.a. the quote, quote, Far East. And even just 15 years ago, Korea was not part of that. No. It was either Chinese or Japanese. Somehow, somehow Korea, this tenacious little Asian country in the mountains caught between two superpowers has somehow made its name on the on the global map of people's minds. I digress. However, and this is something going back to the main point of our story, is that one of the police officers involved or 
with the with the op- the officer who killed George Floyd at the time, um, one of them was a Hmong American, and Hmong Americans are among the most marginalized, like disparate, cult, like um, groups of people, minorities in America. Just all all things combined, like even among mm-hmm. Black people, among Latinx people, and Hmong Americans are mainly refugees from Cambodia and Laos mm. back during. Um, the, during the 60s, during the Vietnam War and whatnot, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm working off of this on top of my head, but they are invisible. They're absolutely invisible because they're such a small and almost niche group, and yet there's so many of them. Bhutanese Americans, not many people would remember that they exist, right? But they are also a very sizable group, also with a lot of socioeconomic issues. And do we as Korean Americans, Chinese Americans, Japanese Americans, Thai Americans, Vietnamese Americans, like, like, do, does anyone pay them any attention? No. And you can, and you, the, this Hmong American is getting a lot of shit for just standing by and kind of like, hey, like going along with um, this, you know, monster who was putting his knee on George Floyd's throat. And one of my friends, I was talking about it with one of my friends last night, and he gave a very interesting, compassionate re- like response in that he can only imagine how difficult it is to work underneath such a like such a you know racist um violent pig with a history of racism within the department itself and it was clear that he was either of the same rank or lower so when you're conditioned to work under someone like that and you also grew up in conditions that probably were very unhealthy and very how should you say narrow you could argue you could make the very just sort of like big picture argument that yes he was probably under a lot of duress as well at the same time this is where i want to jump this is where i want to really push out like come out of here and say that asian americans as a whole need to step up for the black movement for for the black lives matter movement there needs to be more solidarity because a lot of the asian rights movement that we see going on recently and especially with the racism that came out, the blatant racism that came out during COVID-19, like that should be a big wake up call that we're not white and that we're still seen as foreigners. I know that, I know there are people who have like five generations of their family in America, like they don't speak a, we- a word of Korean and they still get racist remarks. Yeah, no, for sure. I was, uh, I actually did mention this to my father as well. He said, um, <clears throat> when the COVID-19 crisis first broke out, they were getting a lot of stares, even in Canada. Mm-hmm. And Canada is largely considered to be, oh, wow, they're like so multicultural, so they're diverse, so nice. and they're so open. And we're like, no, we're not open. These people are also racist. Mm-hmm. Canada is also racist just as much as America, mm-hmm. if not more in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a bit frustrating to see people say, oh, wow, Canada is so nice. Canadians are so nice. No, um, we're not. But mm-hmm. getting more back on top, you said you brought up a very good point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that Asian Americans have been conditioned, mm-hmm. especially because... Um, they do. Uh, they've been conditioned not only by this, uh, the myth of the model minority, mm-hmm. but after adhering to that myth, they get into quote unquote professional careers such mm-hmm. as lawyers, doctors, mm-hmm. and engineers and whatnot, and they work alongside a lot of white people, mm-hmm. and as a result, they've been con- conditioned by systems set up by white people mm-hmm. to think, hey, look, white people built the system; they're smart. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting, especially in Korea, too. Like, when you talk to Koreans, mm-hmm. they're so open to t- white foreigners. 
Mm-hmm. But for some reason, they're also they look down on Asian foreigners, mm-hmm. and even more so on black foreigners. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why do you look up to white foreigners but down upon everybody else? Mm-hmm. Why? And like, just going back to that conditioning, um, when Barack Obama first went into office, one of the the things that hit me the hardest was when um, Barack Obama said, like. African American children will no longer have to uh, can now look towards the presidential office and say, "Look, I can become president too." Mm-hmm. That was really touching. Mm-hmm. That was like one of the few moments I actually felt emotion. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Ooh, wow, Bar- it takes a Barack Obama to, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. nudge the algorithms yeah. within <laughs> within Michael's heart. But like, look. That moment, and and but this was the frustrating part. At the same time, when Barack Obama became president, a lot of white people thought race was over. Racism's over. We have yeah. a black president. But if like, anything, it made it worse. No, that was the start, mm-hmm. and it brought up a lot of like everybody's. Everybody was conditioned to say, "Look, white people are in places of power, so we have to make our racism covert." But it made it blatant when Barack Obama came into power. Mm-hmm. That was really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it shouldn't have been like, like that, but it did. Yeah, no. Uh, everybody was hoping Barack Obama becoming president would condition people to say, look, black people, African Americans can be just as competent as white mm-hmm. Americans. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, <laughs> it did the complete opposite because it's so fascinating thing rural americans are actually really really happy with obamacare they just really hate the name obamacare because it's associated with obama yeah i remember reading an article on that what does that tell you a yeah they recognize this is a very competent program and it's a very competent system and yet b they just really hate it because it's associated with an african-american a black man Mm mm-hmm why? <laughs> Why? No, can someone actually explain to me? Like, write to me. Okay, you know what? Let's just go seven... find someone from like an Appalachian community <clears throat> and be like, Yeah. Yeah. Like, please. What's, what's up? Yeah, actually, like, MKMF. But then they probably won't talk to us because they'll be like, oh, COVID 19. Like, you know. 77 at gmail.com. <laughs> please write ah, to me. There it is. There it is. Write to me. I will, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know what? We'll have you on a Zoom call. We'll mm-hmm. actually like create a mm-hmm. whole podcast around you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but I. But again, the whole thing is: look, Asian Americans, no matter how conditioned you are to think that you're just as competent as as white people, to think that you could become CEO too one day if you work hard enough. No, the system is fundamentally rigged against you too. Yeah, it's just that it's rigged in different ways, and they want you to think that it's not rigged against you, so that it can continue to oppress more openly other minorities. Yeah, and specifically the black movement, the black rights movement. So um, I remember that back in my college, right, my mystery college, Okay. Um, I'll talk about a couple of cases because this is a very like personal thing to me. And I, I was already taking a year off from then, but it was a year that Trayvon Martin and then Eric Garner. Uh, and like, I remember, so when I first heard, when I first saw the news line, I can't breathe, I was like, is this 2014? What the fuck is going on? And it was, I was just like, wow, America, like, amazing. So um, I know that a lot, of, like, so many students across the nation, but at my college as well, had walked out of, had walked out and protested from their classes, right? All of them got university probation at my school. That's ridiculous. All of them got university probation. No way. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. How? And because our school was just ridiculous like that. Let me tell you something even more triggering. And by the way, this is a serious trigger warning because I'm like this was like really not okay. But we had like a we had a Philly cheesesteak in our dining hall that was notorious for just being really bad, right? Okay. And like they always overcooked it and it was just like really nasty. But people just it had like a weird affinity for it just because it was like a meme, right? It was so it was a school meme. Okay. And then this was like the rise of Snapchat of Yik Yak. Someone had taken a Snapchat of the Philly cheesesteak. Both dead platforms, mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> Snapchat, they had taken a Snapchat of the Philly cheesesteak, and the caption was, I like my cheesesteak black just like my slaves. And it Who sent it out. hell? What? I know, I know, I know. It was in, and this was my college, by the way. I think I did a good thing dropping out. But anyways, but... Um, the, you the, know, who, who made them in college? Like, somebody should sue these people, put um, them out of business. And you know, technically, you can find out who did it, right? Yeah. But the administration did nothing. What do you mean the administration they just, did they, nothing? They didn't try to delve into it. They like, didn't try to do investigation. Somebody posted a snap. Mm-hmm. It's clearly linked to somebody's Snapchat account. I know, I know, I know. And yet, and yet, you know what my... And you know what my... Um, upperclassmen would told me freshman year. No. Because, like, we're very, like, we're predominantly white school and, like, very few Asians, especially in the upper grades. The, the, my seniors would always be like, if you ever get caught by the cops, which I did, by the way, if you ever get caught by the cops, right. never say that you're drinking at this dorm because they'll know that you've been drinking with us and then they're going to target us. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. And then, so I took that to heart. And this is a story for another day, but I did get caught by the cops, and I did not say the name of that dorm. And you didn't even say your name. No, I didn't even say my name, but that's for another day. So that's what that's that's my personal experience right. with race, like with, with the Black Lives Move, the Black Lives Matter movement. Also, being an Asian American in a predominantly white school, right? And knowing that I will never be on the same, I will never be a white person. I will never have the same benefits of a white person. I'm very much privileged in my own right, but even more so, I need I need to realize personally, and I hope that anyone listening would also realize that um, there needs to be solidarity among minorities, and especially as an Asian American, yes, I understand. There's so much that's fucked up about our own cultures. We have so much generational trauma that we need to work through. At the same time, if we do have this model minority, quote, quote, privilege on us, then we should be using it to bring up other minorities who do not have that same model minority status. And I, this is something that I believe from my heart. And to see so many, especially Korean American, especially just Korean internationals who are silent on the matter or who um, just try to turn a blind eye, it's disappointing. I'm not going to force anyone to do anything because that's not my right. But it is a little disappointing. No, but I actually really like your story. So mm-hmm. I was actually looking through all my Instagram stories, uh, mm-hmm. friends' Instagram stories this morning. And one of your Instagram stories said, look, if you think you're not part of the problem uh, because you're a Korean citizen, if you could read this fluently, then you are part of the problem. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Wow, you did yeah. remember that. So, like, actually, you misquoted it. But, but so what I said is, <clears throat> let me tell all my Korean friends, if you think that this problem doesn't apply to you just because you're not in the States, you're reading this message fluently in English, right? Then it does apply to you. Because in some way or another, you have benefited and you have been part of this system. No, it's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess now it's like, it's time for, we, we can't just talk about the issue and whatnot. So it's time for a call to action. What can you actually do? I actually want to bring up one last okay, point. Okay, okay. Because um, 
That's fine. Back in one of our alpha podcasts mm-hmm. that we circulated amongst our friends, mm-hmm. um, we mentioned the term blackwashing. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, with how, um, the Little Mermaid. Yeah, the Little Mermaid and mm-hmm. how they turned her. Uh, they used an African American to portray her character, mm-hmm. and we were saying, "Oh, maybe that's not the best way to progress at it." Because, and I remember. Um, DJ actually, yeah, you told me DJ's response, which was completely fair mm-hmm. because taken out of context, it sounds like I'm saying, dude, b- black people are already being overrepresented. I was actually saying the opposite of that, saying that, look, if you want to portray black Americans in movies, mm-hmm. you probably want to tell black American stories. Mm-hmm. The thing is, look, um, black Americans are fundamentally overrepresented in our penal system, mm-hmm. overrepresented on media in terms of death mm-hmm. and yet underrepresented in pop culture and the the fundamental dif- the issue is look it's 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 not that oh yeah you know what the little mermaid wasn't black why should i care about black that's not the issue the, the issue is look i haven't seen enough black stories for mm-hmm. people to relate to these people that's the fundamental disconnect mm-hmm. and i think one of the th- ways that you can probably help is to tell more african-american stories if you are a content creator mm-hmm. if you are uh if you if you're you know a black mm-hmm. american or any minority mm-hmm. yeah. tell more of your stories and tell them honestly yeah and if you're not one of those minorities and especially i want to say like so as an asian american we will never understand the black experience ask people who are black like yeah talk to them this is what this is what human language was created for like we have this sort of dysfunctional linguistic system so that we could sort of clunk our way through lives trying to figure out what the fuck we're doing. Talk to people around you and ask and listen. Don't listen through the lens of your own experience. Just listen. And don't assume things and be like, no, but like in my experience, like, no, but I think, no, 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 no. Just sit down and listen. And then if you listen to enough stories, you'll be able to create your own opinions. And from there, okay, so that's like one thing that you can do on a personal level. And segueing back into what I said, so call to action, there's plenty of resources right now going around on the internet where you can donate funds. And like these, these organizations need money because so many people are being arrested right now, just, just left, right, and center. And no one can afford bail. Bail is probably ridiculously high. And donating to these resources will absolutely make the difference for this particular issue right now. And, and if you can't donate, mm-hmm. like forward the message, forward mm-hmm. the message, forward mm-hmm. the charity to mm-hmm. someone who can donate. Because mm-hmm. I know a, there are a lot of Asian Americans who have found success out there, mm-hmm. specifically by, mm-hmm. um, by, I guess, assimilating into the system. Mm-hmm. Now it's your turn to act and, you know, mm-hmm. pay it forward. Yeah. As, as, as much as... I don't like using that phrase too much because it does sound a little bit cheesy, but it's true. You have to pay this shit forward, right? And another thing is that I like Asian Americans in general. I know this is an umbrella term, but we don't have enough time, so um, you need to call out the racist behavior of your friends around you. You need mm. to call out the racist behavior of your family. And I mean, look, I'm gonna say I've had family members at dinner. Um, talk shit about Chinese people during this whole coronavirus yeah, thing. It happens so often. It happens so often. Every single time, I'm just like, this is wrong. Stop it. Stop it before I cause a scene. <laughs> because my name isn't Jane Hurricane Wu for no reason, right? Well, I mean, they don't know it. Your middle name is Hurricane. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, but they've seen it, though. <laughs> and yeah. Uh... But, um, so call out people for their behavior. And I'm not saying you don't have to start a fight every time. If anything, look, 
sometimes right now in the case of the riots, violence is the only answer from what I see. Because okay. they've tried, they've tried peaceful protesting. They've tried talking to, you know, like they've tried legitimate quote quote routes of um, protest, and nobody listens. So now they're being violent. But when it's on a more personal level, if anything, I think it works if you do it lightly, mm-hmm. with a smile, mm-hmm. as a joke, and you do it with a sense of like, hey, that's that's fucked up. Like you know, I'm not gonna judge you as a person, but that's fucked up, and I need you to think about what you're doing a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And the more that you repeat that in a palatable way, the more that'll change on a personal level. So that's just my two cents, and I'm that's kind of like my plea to anyone who's listening out there. And on that somber note, mm-hmm. uh, it is time to end. Uh, next week, we will be talking about coffee. So, <laughs> yeah. um, But also, if we get into the history of that, it's very interesting. And also, Michael, I will ask you to put links to the, uh, the different funds that you can donate to in the bio, in the description. In the description to this episode, yes. Yeah. Or else you can just ask us personally because yeah. we, the only people listening are our friends. Yeah, so. like, uh, you know, mkmf77 <laughs> at gmail.com, please. Like, that's my actual email address. I will respond to every one of your emails. <laughs> Thank you. And goodbye.